and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number is one 888 Pit 888-666-3974. The number is free. The advice is worth more than what you paid for. We're here to help you with your home improvement projects, your do-it-yourself dilemmas, but pick up the phone and help yourself first by calling us at one Money Pit. We've got a very busy show planned for you starting off. Has the hot, dry summer weather made your lush lawn look dead? Well, not to worry. Coming up, we're going to tell you why grass that appears dead actually may have a new life in it. Mm-hmm. And is your dead lawn causing you to have green thumb envy over your neighbor's green thumb? Perhaps <laughs> it's giving you a little bit of agita the way your yard is looking right about now. Neighborhood jealousy. Seriously, I know my side of the street, lawns are all dead. Other side of the street, beautiful and green. I guess That's it's because just... the neighbors on the other side of the street are ignoring the water restrictions. <laughs> I was starting to wonder what was going on. Well, you know what, guys? Gardening, it's not as hard as you might think. And it gets a lot easier when you build raised flower beds. We're going to tell you about that in just a few minutes. And would you like to install a new roof? There's actually never been a better time with the energy efficiency tax credits and green roofing systems. You can be sure to save money in more ways than one. But what's even better, we've got a heads up on a contest whose winners are getting the entire cost of the roof replacement reimbursed. Man, that is a huge prize to win. Absolutely. Because being in the market for a new roof, they are expensive. Well, I'm pretty sure you can qualify, so we'll see. That's coming up in, in, in just a bit. No, no, no. I'm, I'm not that lucky, so I won't put my name in. I'll just let everybody else have a good chance. But if you're feeling pretty lucky this hour, we've got a great prize that can actually help you create a beautiful new facade to your home. We're giving away a $50 Lowe's gift card courtesy of Thermatrue that you can put towards perhaps buying a new Thermatrue fire fiberglass door, which will make your house look amazingly a million times better. So give us a call right now at one eight 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 Money Pit for the answer to your home improvement question and also your chance to win. 888-666-3974. Let's get right to those phones. They're lighting up. So Leslie, who is first? Mike in Michigan is looking for that extra storage space at his Money Pit by looking to the attic. What can we help you with? I'm Leslie. Thanks so much for taking my call. I stumbled upon your podcast a couple weeks ago and as a first time homeowner i'm loving all the information so thank you guys very much you're very welcome mike how can we help i want to create some extra storage space in my attic i would like to use the the timber the knotty pine that the previous owner used to to finish a lower level room poking around up in the the attic there's lots of electrical wires and cables running Mm -hmm. along the uh the boards of the trusses and i'm wondering if i can buy uh, some two-by-two two strips create kind of a, a furring strip to bridge these cables and screw down the planks in the in the attic. Yeah, kind of like a suspended floor? Exactly. So that you don't have to notch the cables into the, into the existing uh, ceiling joists. That's correct. Right, yeah. Um, let me just ask you a couple of questions. First of all, how old is your house, Mike? It's a, uh, four years old. It's got blown, blown cellulose insulation. Okay, is it a trust attic or is it a stick-built attic? Good question, right? Okay, so here's the difference. Trusses are manufactured structures, and they're going to have a bottom, it's called a cord, but think of it like sort of a bottom joist, and then sort of a top rafter-like piece of it, and crisscross in between. 
like a triangular I, piece that's up in the right. roof. That peak. is exactly what I have, guys. Yep. All right. So you yeah. have trusses. All right. Well, the bad news is that trusses are not designed uh, to have any type of floor load on them unless it's an attic floor truss, which would be unusual. Um, that said, I will tell you that in a house that I owned some years ago, um, I kind of did something that was very similar to what you were suggesting. Um, I took um, two-by-fours, and I attached them to the side of the trusses, all on a flat plane level, and then I put some flooring over that. So I kind of created my own floor joists. But I do this very carefully because you can't put a lot of weight on these things. I mean, they're really not designed to take a lot more than they're doing uh, by just holding up your roof. But if you want to just put some light storage on there, create some sort of raised platforms, I think you could do that, Mike, and you'll be perfectly safe. But just remember, never cut a truss. You will weaken it. You will ruin it, okay? Absolutely. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. And in Washington, need some help with cement floor project. What can we do for you? Oh, thank you for your program. You're very welcome. Uh, here's my problem. Uh, um, we bought the house uh, when it was two years old, and the cement floor already had these cracks uh, coursing through it, almost like, like tree lines. And uh, they had fixed it up, uh, patched it up. But now it has the, everything that it has been patched is starting to come out. Yeah, you and know, if you don't patch uh, cement or concrete with the right materials, it will release within a very short period of time. What you want is an epoxy patching compound available at home centers, hardware stores. That's specifically designed to stick to concrete floors. If you try to p uh, patch a concrete floor with cement, it's going to look good for a little bit of time, but then it's going to completely chip and separate and you'll end up doing it all over again i see uh does it make any difference i think the sub sub area was not properly prepared and we have clay as our compound of soil around here not really i mean if this if the garage floor is cracking then you can just deal with that aside from whatever it's on top of as long as the cracks are not displacing and causing a tripping hazard no but in, i would use an epoxy patching compound and then an epoxy paint and if you do it right, and it'll all disappear. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, we are smack in the middle of the summer, and you still have plenty of warm and sunny weekends to tackle those home improvement projects. So give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week with your repair, home improvement, home design question. We can help you get that job done. Give us a call at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Speaking of summer, up next, we're going to talk about that dry, dead grass that's been all around your yard. It's not a lost cause. That grass is actually just gone dormant. We'll tell you how to bring it back next. 888 The Money Pit is brought to you by Thermatru Doors, the nation's leading manufacturer of fiberglass entry and patio door systems. Thermatru Doors are Energy Star qualified and provide up to five times the insulation of a wood door. To learn more, visit Thermatru.com. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. 
Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. The number here is 1-888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. Dial that number right now. You'll get the answer to your home improvement question and opportunity to win a $50 gift card from our friends at Thermatru. It's actually a gift card for Lowe's. And with it, you could invest in a fiberglass door made by Thermatru. You know, fiberglass doors look like wood, but they insulate up to five times better. And Thermatru has a brand at Lowe's called Benchmark, which is gorgeous. They come in a wide range of styles, and they'll definitely increase your curve appeal and save you some money at the same time. In fact, they qualify as well for the energy tax credit. You can get more information at myenergytax.com or pick up the phone right now and give us a call with your home improvement question for your chance to win that $50 gift card from Lowe's courtesy of Thermatru. The number again is one eight 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 Money Pit. That's right. Pick up the phone and give us a call. We'd love to hear what you're working on. You know, maybe you've been sort of perusing the outside of your home and you can't help but notice that your normally lush green lawn is looking brown and maybe you're fearing that it might be kind of dead right about now. Well, we've all been dealing with hot and dry weather. And, you know, when that happens, grass actually goes into a semi-dormant state, meaning it's sleeping and it's waiting to come back when the weather conditions actually improve. So during the hottest, driest weeks of the summer, you don't want to cut your lawn more than once a week because cutting too frequently can actually mean that the grass is going to lose the extra moisture that it's keeping in the tips to sort of feed off of. And the mower wheels can actually leave brown stripes on the stressed lawn. So you really want to be careful about trimming the lawn when it's been very, very dry and hot out. Now, a good mowing height is two and a half to three inches when you do mow the lawn. And you want to water lightly in the evening if your town doesn't have any restrictions in place. You know, you have to follow water usage rules. And if you follow everything that we've been chatting about, your lawn is going to be ready to come right back to life once the weather just simmers down a bit. Be patient. Absolutely. But there's one thing that you want to avoid, and that is a lot of foot traffic while those dried out blades will come back to life. If you grind them into a dust, <laughs> that's not going to happen. So try to avoid you know, walking across the lawn. Try to stick to the walkways and the pathways. Treat it as being very, very fragile because basically that's what it is. And if you protect it now, it'll come back quickly as soon as we get some rain once again. 888-666-3974. Let's get right back to those phones. Who's next? Rebecca in Kentucky needs some help with a foundation issue. Tell us about it. I have three foundation cracks in the basement that leak when we get a heavy uh, rain. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking for a permanent solution to repairing these foundation cracks. Okay, there's a two-part, this is a two-part uh, problem. Right. First okay. of all, the reason they're leaking is because you have a drainage problem on the outside. So you need to look to the exterior walls and make sure that, number one, the soil is sloped away from the wall, and number two, you have a gutter system there and that the downspouts are extended away from the foundation perimeter. Reducing the volume of water on the, on the outside foundation perimeter is going to be very, very important. Mm-hmm. And that's important because you mentioned that it's consistent with rainfall. So these are the reasons why we know that you're getting the water through this area. Repairing the crack after that is really a cosmetic issue, Rebecca. So you can simply caulk that with a silicone caulk and then paint over them. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Janet in Alaska is dealing with some bamboo floor issues. Tell us what's going on. Uh, my husband and I are building a house out in a remote area of Alaska. And 
Uh, we're getting close to the flooring stage, and we keep batting different ideas around, and several people have mentioned using the bamboo flooring, and we wondered how it would stand up to, I guess, with any water uh, standing on it, not for long periods of time, but, um, you know, and how it compares to regular hardwood floors. Well, I think that you'll find that bamboo holds up very, very well. It's incredibly hard stuff. One of the things to look for is to make sure you buy old-growth bamboo floors versus uh, newer growth. Old-growth is defined as being about four years or older, uh, and it's a tougher product. And there's also, um, is it a strand product, Leslie? Yeah, it's like a woven strand bamboo, and that's kind of different from the traditional bamboo flooring that you might see, where it almost looks like a flattened stalk of bamboo. The woven one almost looks like um, like a zebra wood. It's very beautiful. You can get it in a ton of different colors, and they actually like weave in the the shredded grains or strands, I should say, of the bamboo, and it's absolutely gorgeous. You definitely, because you're going to be dealing with a lot of water, do not want to go with a solid hardwood. If you choose not to do bamboo, but you want the look of a hardwood, you want to go with an engineered hardwood, because that's made to be almost like a plywood base within a layer of that hardwood veneer on top. But because you get a lot of wear and tear and you're probably tracking in salts and dirts, I imagine, you might want to go with one that has a commercial finish. Right, Tom? Yeah, absolutely. The finishes today are incredibly tough. I mean, almost all the bamboo floors are do come pre-finished. But the commercial products are even tougher than that. So if you buy a good quality of bamboo, it's old growth. And if you use you know, one that's got a great warranty, I think you'll be very, very happy with it. Even in the you know, the rough winters uh, of Alaska, I think this is something that's going to stand up incredibly well for you. How do you know if it's old growth? Is it identified? Yeah, it's identified in the packaging, or you, mean, you definitely should inquire about it. Okay. Right, you know, a good source for bamboo flooring is lumberliquidators.com. Okay. You might want to take a look at that online. They've got good product, lots of uh, choices, lots of colors, also great warranties. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, our office manager bought some product for uh, for her ski house from Lumber Liquidators. And, you know, similar in terms of uh, the abuse it needs to stand up to. And she was very, very happy with mm-hmm. it. And it does take a beating. Yes, well, it, it's just my husband and I and one dog. But the grandchildren do come up and, you know, neighbors come over. And during I did a rod, we always have a house full. So. <laughs> oh, how fun. <laughs> it is. Well, so you need some bamboo flooring that can stand up to the Iditarod traffic, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Lumber Liquidators is a great start. Why don't you head on over to that website and let us know how you make out? Okay, I sure will. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. All right, now we've got Art in Delaware who's dealing with way too much sun at his house. What can we do for you? Hi, right, thanks for taking my call. I really enjoy your program. We have a screened in sun porch that faces east, and we have a uh, Two back sections, eight feet wide, plus a standard uh, 32-inch screen door. And we want to find some kind of sun covering that we can retract and put down as the uh, for the morning sun, but also something that won't hold mildew since we're, we don't live there full-time. Since we have vinyl clad over uh, pressure-treated lumber, so hopefully something where the size stays the same so we don't have to puncture the vinyl clad more often than not. Hmm. And have you thought about one of those retractable awning systems that sort of, you know, attach to the exterior of the home and then roll back up? You know, you see them on campers, but you can get like really high end ones. Yeah, the Homeowners Association doesn't allow anything like that. 
Okay. Have you thought about on the interior of your screened-in porch, you can mount some, you know, all-weather sort of curtain rods, and you can find ones that are made for the exterior, but because you're covered and you're not dealing with a lot of, you know, direct rain or or weather, you can attach a curtain rod to the inside of your screened-in porch. You can do it on all three sides, and if you have to sort of break it up because maybe the width of it is too wide along the front, you can do two there. But if you go with an exterior fabric, Sunbrella makes prefabricated exterior, you know, draperies, you can have some beautiful drapery panels that when you're not using them are sort of stashed to each corner and draped in a really lovely way. And when you do want a little bit of shade for the, you know, the morning times when it's really beating down and you can close it up as much as you like, and you can go with some that are not there are shears as well for exterior fabrics. You just sort of have to search them out online. Those you might have to have fabricated, but if you go with a solid, you can buy those pre-made. Fantastic. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Art, thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Tanya in Utah needs some help with a painting project. What can we do for you? Hi, I have a question about my painting my front door. Okay. Um, we bought our home a couple of years ago, and we repainted pretty soon after we moved in. It was white. We painted it a darker color. But now, a couple of years later, it, there's some chips, you know, where the kids have kicked it or whatever. Uh-huh. And so I'm wanting to repaint it, and I don't know if there's something I can put like a, you know, like a polyurethane or something over it so it doesn't, I don't have to keep redoing this every couple of years. Uh, what kind of door is it? It's metal. Okay. And do you have a storm door over it? No, we don't. Okay. Well, what I would do is I would pull the door off the hinges, wait for a warmish, a warm day. I would sand it down uh, so you get all of those chips out. You have a nice smooth surface. Then I would prime it, and I would use a good quality primer. In fact, I'd recommend Rust-Oleum because it's a really durable primer surface. And then I would use a Rust-Oleum top coat. I don't know what you use the first time. You can use latex on a door, but nothing is more durable than the oil-based or the solvent-based products when it comes to durability. Okay. Okay. And that's what I would do. And just remember, it takes a long... The better the paint, the longer it takes to dry, too. Mm-hmm. So just make sure you've left yourself plenty of time for it to dry, you know, out in the sun, uh, and then you can get it back in. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Up next, we're going to share with you gardening tips that will actually help cut down on your prep time and still give you a great harvest. So stick around. On the Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home by calling 888-MONEY-PIT. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we've got great tips online about how to limit your water use without limiting luxury showers and baths. Just search water saving tips on moneypit.com for the how-to of just that. Steve in Georgia, you've got the Money Pit. How can we help you today? I've got a, um, on my roof, something that looks like black soot um, on Mostly on one side of, of the house. That would be the uh, that would be the north side of the house, correct, Steve? You got it. <laughs> I'm psychic. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got a lot of history too. <laughs> <laughs> that too. That's the cold side of the roof, and so you get more condensation and more moisture, and you get tree droppings and other types of spores and things that land on the roof, and sometimes you will get a moss that will grow and and take hold. 
and I bet you'd like to get rid of that. Yeah, I, I really would. It's, it looks disgusting, and I almost feel like I need a new roof, and I, I don't think I really need a new roof. Yeah, and you don't, and you don't, because... You just need a good cleaning. Right, because it, it's not hurting your roof. It just looks bad. So here's what you want to do, a couple of things. First of all, you're going to clean the roof with a, with a mildicide, and there are a number of good products out there. You could mix one up out of Clorox and water. You can use a product called Jomax, J-O-M-A-X. That's usually in the paint aisle at the hardware store or the home center. And you apply these mildicides, you let them sit for a little while, and then you rinse them off. Now, is your roof walkable, Steve? Is it uh, you know low, low enough pitch where you can walk on it? Um, it is a bit of a pitch, but I, I have walked on it before, and as long as I'm careful, um, we're good. Yeah, you, you do want to be careful, or you want to have this done by a pro, because you, you do have to spray this on, let it sit, and sometimes you have to abrade it a little bit with a broom just to kind of get it in there. But when you rinse it off, it'll be much, much brighter, and it'll kill all that stuff. The second thing that you can do is to add a copper or a nickel piece of flashing across the top. This could be by way of a ridge vent or simply a piece of flashing wrapped over the top of the roof. And in doing so, when it rains, uh, the water will hit the flashing, and some of that metal will release. And that acts as a mildicide as well, so it'll run down the roof and keep it clean. And the third and final thing that you could do, Steve, is to make sure that you try to cut back some of the shade on that side of the house because the best mildicide is the sun. So if you can let a little more light in there, that will also stop it from coming back. Okay, I appreciate your help. You're welcome, Steve. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Well, do you find that you're envious of perhaps that beautiful crop of tomatoes or cucumbers or peppers that your neighbor is growing and enjoying? Well, you can actually have your own garden, too, if you start planning now for next year's garden with some simple home improvement projects. And one way to cut down on that prep work is to create raised beds. Here to tell us more about the ups and downs of raised bed gardening is this old house host, Kevin O'Connor, and landscaping expert, Roger Cook. And Kevin, what I like about this method is that there is a lot less digging. That's right. Sometimes the best way to start a garden isn't to dig down, but to build up by constructing a raised bed. And Roger, you've done a whole bunch of these. I have, Kevin, and it's great because it controls the type of soil because you're bringing in soil to mound up that bed. But it also helps with drainage, and it also helps in the spring because that raised bed will warm up faster than the surrounding soil. Now, instead of just a mound, a lot of people will like to edge the bed, edge their raised bed with some type of material that doesn't decompose. And how about size? What size do you recommend? Four feet maximum, so you can reach the middle of the bed from the outside. What about irrigation? Can you build this irrigation system into the beds while it's being constructed? You can. If you have an existing system, you can put in drip irrigation in the bed. If you don't have a system, you can use those black soaker hoses. They're perfect because they put the water down at the roots where you want it to be. Like a poor man's sprinkler system. (laughs) Exactly. And if you want to see how it's done, you can take a look at a segment we did on thisoldhouse.com. Kevin O'Connor, Roger Cook, great tips. Thanks for being here. Our pleasure. Yeah, and you know, fresh veggies, they not only taste great, but they're so much less expensive and even healthier for you than the store-bought kind. Absolutely. And if you want more tips, you can head on over to thisoldhouse.com, like Roger mentioned. And This Old House is brought to you by GMC. GMC, we are professional grade. Still ahead, new roofs can be costly, but there are ways to recoup part of that investment if you act now. We're going to tell you how to do just that after this. You live in a money pit.
Money Pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools, your trusted name in quality hand tools. To learn more about their complete line of quality tools and everything for your toolbox, visit stanleytools.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. You know, we've all been thinking a lot, certainly, about the real estate market. And you know, in a down housing market, when it comes to selling your house, curb appeal is key. Now, one option to really spruce up your front entry is to actually replace your wood door with a fiberglass door. Now, fiberglass doors, they look exactly like wood, but here's the kicker. They insulate up to five times better than their wood counterparts, and they they qualify for a $1,500 tax credit. Now, benchmark fiberglass doors by Thermatru are sold exclusively at Lowe's, and they come in a wide range of really gorgeous styles, and they've got some wonderful glass designs that you can select from. If you head on over to myenergytax.com, you'll find a lot more information there about doors that do qualify for the tax credit. And to help you along in boosting your curb appeal and maybe getting that new front door for your house, we are giving away a $50 gift card from Lowe's, courtesy of our friends at Thermatru. So give us a call at one eight 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 Money Pit, and one caller that we talked to on the air this hour and help them with their home improvement project is going to win this prize. Eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. Now another great exterior update project is your roof. If your roof shingles are peeling, if they're curling, or if they're just plain falling off every time the wind blows, those are some pretty good signs that it might be time to think about replacing your roof. There are great federal tax credits available right now to help you save money. And I think folks don't often think of roofs as being an energy efficient component of the house, but the truth is they are. There are low E coatings on roofs today that reflect sunlight and they really can help protect your house and keep you cool and comfortable at the same time. Now there's also a contest going on by the folks at Owens Corning called that's my roof contest that you might want to take advantage of because if you could win the entire cost of replacing your roof up to 10000 bucks. Now, the Shingles Owens Corning is promoted for this contest are the Duration Series Designer Colors Collection, which are brilliant. They're beautiful. They've got great-looking color granules on the shingles, and they're graded. And when those individual shingles blend together, they look fantastic. It's a very, very unique blended look that you're really going to love. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Forget about the basic colors like gray or brown or even black. These shingles from Owens Corning actually come in dozens of colors, including greens and blues, mustard yellows, and even reds. And Owens Corning stands behind this product with a 20-year limited warranty. So if you're in the market for a new roof and you really want to add some pizzazz to your curb appeal, this is definitely the way to go. And who knows? You might actually win a free roof. Head on over to owenscorning.com for more info, and then you can complete those contest entry forms and on learn about all the rules right there. Good luck. 888-666-3974. Call us right now with your home improvement question. Christine in Virginia is dealing with a siding situation. Tell us about it. Well, my house is actually wood-sided and the wood is doing pretty well, but the painted trim has turned a gray spotted mess. I mean, it's moldy, mildewy. I don't know what it is. And I back up to a swamp which uh, probably doesn't help matters. <laughs> what color is the house painted? Yeah, and is it a nice shade of gray? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a bad shade of gray if it were consistent. Um, the house is actually itself like a cherry-stained cedar. So you would notice if there was mold or mildew on that, too? Right. Well, there had been on one side, and I had somebody come in and power wash it down mm-hmm. and take right. the stuff off, but he didn't want to touch the white paint, and I didn't know why. 
Well, it's just a maintenance issue. Perhaps he doesn't want to touch the white paint because maybe it's been a while since it's been painted and he's fearful that if he gets at it with the pressure washer, it's going to start chipping away at some of the old paint and then causing you to have to paint it again. And you might think that it's his fault, which, you know, can happen if you're working with a pressure washer. But you can, if you can access those trim areas, if you feel comfortable on a ladder in some of those regions where you need to reach it, you can mix up a bleach and water solution and get a stiff bristle brush. And I usually go, I mean, if it's heavily saturated with the mold and mildew, I'll go 50% bleach, 50% water. But if it's not so bad, I usually go 30, 70. I sort of gauge on, you know, how moldy, mildewy it is. And then I take that stiff brush and I sort of slop it onto the area, let it sit for a few minutes. If I can do it on a day when the sun is hitting that area as best it can, you know, I know it probably doesn't hit that area so great. That's why you're getting a lot of this mold and mildew. Then I'll scrub it and give it a good rinsing off. And that usually does the trick, but you're going to do it again next year or the year after. And then is there anything I can put on it to prevent it from happening again? Well, if it's uh, painted with a mildicide-based paint, then that actually will slow it down. The other things that you can do, sort of naturally speaking, is that the more light you get to those sides of the house, the more sunlight, the less chance you're going to have that it grows mold or mildew. So if you can cut back overhanging trees and have it a little bit more exposed to daylight, that will slow the growth. But in terms of painting products, if you use an exterior paint, it's going to mildicide on it. That will slow it. Another product that works well is one called Jomax, J-O-M-A-X, which you mix up with bleach and with water, and it becomes a very, very strong mildicide. It's a siding wash, and you can buy it at home centers. It's made by the, the Zinzer Company. works very well. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. Frank in New York is calling with our number one asked question on the Money Pit flooring. How can we help you today? I have uh, the kitchen floor and the dining room floor. It's, it's a wood planks. They're probably four-inch planks, and I think it's floating, like, you know? Mm-hmm. And he didn't tell me when he installed the floor that the floor was so soft that anything you drop, you get a mark in the floor. Right. So I was wondering if I could sand the fl- have somebody sand the floor and put something, on another, you know, uh, whatever, on the floor to make the wood a little harder or something, you know what I mean, to create, stop the, all the nicks and stuff. And this floor has only been on two years. Certainly you can. If it's only been on two years, I'm not sure that you want to do a total sanding to it where you're taking a layer of the wood off because that's going to shorten its life. What you might want to do is sand it using a machine called a U-sand. It's available at a rental center, and it's four rotating sanding discs inside of like one sort of head with a vacuum attached to it, so it's a fairly uh, dust-free way to sand your floor. And what I like about this is it'll only take off a little bit of wood, and it's easy for a consumer to use. You don't have to use the machine every day to get good at it. And then once you sort of take off the top layer of finish, then you vacuum up all the dust, wipe it all down with a with a good tack rag and then you can apply an oil-based polyurethane don't use water-based because that's very soft and not durable at all but use an oil-based polyurethane and apply that frank with something called a lamb's wool applicator the kind of rag you used to use to buff your car with the wax right that's very soft they have lamb's wool applicators that fit on the on the bottom of of what sort of looks like a, a, a kitchen mop a floor mop one of those sponge mops. It's sort of that shape, and you wrap it around, it clamps on, and you put the oil-based polyurethane in a regular paint tray, and you dip it in there and sort of mop it on, work your way out of the room. And remember, it always takes longer to dry than they tell you, so make sure you right. stay out of that place for quite a while. And how many would you put on, on the oil-based polyurethane? I would put at least two to maybe three coats. Yeah. Because, you know, doing the floor is such a major deal that you want to do it once, do it right, and not have to do it again because it's so much work to get everything out of there. Right, because I have it in the dining room, the kitchen and in the hallway going into the bedrooms. Yeah. He didn't tell me that. The wood, I'm telling you, it's so soft that 
Well, you know, it might very well it might very well be that that they used a water-based polyurethane on that the last time around. I actually made that mistake once myself and I'll never do it again. The water-based polyurethane is great stuff, except it's just really really soft when it comes to abrasion resistance. But the oil-based, even though it takes a long time to dry, it's it's much much more durable and it works terrifically. Because even when the ladies come, a lady came in with the high heels and it made the mark into the wood. Yeah, I would I would get the USAM machine, take a nice layer of wood off the top of the thing, add the oil-based polyurethane, two to three coats, give it a couple of days. Don't put the furniture back right away. Be very careful. The first couple of days, it takes a while to cure, and you are going to be good to go. Thank you very much. You're welcome, Frank. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. You know, when it comes to choosing materials for kitchens and baths, natural materials certainly are the king. But taking care of them can be a little tricky. So when we come back, we're going to share tips with you on cleaning natural stone. So stick around. On the Money Pit Radio Show. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And you should visit MoneyPit.com to hear our show if you missed anything because it's right there online. It's free. And we've got all the transcripts with all the links to all the tips that we offered during the program right there on MoneyPit.com. And you can also shoot us an email question just like Mary did. Mm-hmm. Mary writes, what is the best way to clean travertine tile and grout in my shower? Every cleaner I seem to find says it should not be used on natural stone. You know, I think one of the misconceptions of natural stone is that it's uh, low maintenance. It's really not. I mean, it's actually... And it's specialized maintenance, I find. Yeah, it's quite high maintenance and it's specialized maintenance because the stone is so porous... It absorbs, you know, the water stains, the mineral stains, the dirt, the grime. So it really actually needs a lot of work to keep clean. There is a website called StoneCare.com that sort of specializes in this. And they have a cleaning product designed for shower walls called Marvelex, which is pretty easy to use. But the thing is, you need to clean on a regular basis. You need to use a product like that, you know, every week or so. And then once every six months to year, you've got to seal that travertine. If you don't do those two things, uh, it's always going to be difficult to maintain it. You really just need to stay on top of it, uh, and then you will enjoy the good look of that natural material. But again, just because it's stone doesn't mean that it's easy to care mm-hmm. for. And Mary, when it comes to the grout, um, I'm assuming, have you tried bleach? Because bleach really is a fantastic cleanser when it comes to getting mold growth off of your grout. If for some reason that's not doing it or you've really just got a tremendous buildup, you might want to, it's a bit of work, but you can use a grout saw and remove the grout that's there and then start again with fresh grout. And if you do go that route, you have to make sure that once that grout is all set, you seal it and you want to make sure that you, you could even, Tom, isn't there a grout? I think who makes it? Is it laticrete that has an antimicrobial in it? That's correct. Yeah, it's laticrete. And you'll find that at home centers. And it has microban in it. So what that means is that once it dries, that uh, mold can't really grow on it. Mm-hmm. Still seal it, though, once you're done, because this will save you a whole lot of headaches when it comes to time to clean. All right, now we've got one from C. Brown who emailed in saying, I have a well with a pressure tank, and I want to put a uh, water filter on the system. Should the filter go before or after the pressure tank and pump? 
Well, the filter system always goes after the pressure tank and pump, but it's generally not a do-it-yourself project. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't put a small filter on here like you would use in a single faucet. You need a pretty massive filter, and that typically needs to be installed by a, uh, a contractor that does this all the time. You know, we have one at my family's vacation home because we're on a well system and the pressure tank is right there. Okay. And just off of that pressure tank in our, you know, sort of service room in the house, you'll see there's this sort of clear container that houses the filter. It's a good size. It's sometimes a little difficult to unscrew to get to the filter, so we keep one of those, you know, rubber... I guess it's like a rubber wrench almost that really helps me to pull this piece right. off. And then I replace that filter and I've made sure to keep the paperwork from that original filter because there's a lot of similar options out there that can look a little confusing and truly only one is going to work right for your system. So hold on to that first package that comes with your filter so you know exactly which one you're getting. And you want to change it. I would say twice a year because it does start to look a little yucky and you think, gosh, we're going to drink that and shower in it. So make sure you maintain it and keep track of which one you need to buy and then you'll have no problems going forward. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Thank you so much for spending this hour with us. We hope that we've delivered some great tips, some ideas, and some inspiration for you to tackle your next home improvement project. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 